Before emails, we used to sign sincerely yours. We, by that, of course, we mean genuine, we mean honest, we mean the real thing, or we mean without hypocrisy, right? Now, hypocrisy is a way of life now. In, in every aspect of life, in politics, in the media, my goodness, in education, and in even in some pulpits. I'm going to come back to that. But the word sincere comes from two Latin words. I asked them to put them on the screen so you see them. Sin means without. Seer means wax. So that's really what it means when you say sincere. It means without wax. But that needs an explanation. What does that mean, without wax? Back during the Roman Empire, marble was a very popular, and it is beautiful to this day, of course, stone. But back then, large slabs of marbles uh, that extracted out of the ground, and the clever craftsmen would turn it into a pillar or a statue or a vase, uh, beautiful stuff. Sometimes, if the marble is an inferior quality, it would develop a crack, and therefore it becomes useless. It has no value. To avoid losing income, some unscrupulous craftsmen did something with these cracks. They filled them with wax. And then they smoothed them over, they polished it to a high gloss, and they passed it off as the real thing. Unfortunately, in time, the wax would shrink and the marble would split. And the unfortunate purchaser would realize that he's gotten a worthless piece of marble. Buyers eventually wised up to this unscrupulous business. And so when they purchase the marble, they demand the assurance by the seller that the product is the real thing. Pure marble without hidden flaws or imperfection, and it's not filled with wax, or sincere, without wax. Now you know. Some trivia, but it's going to help you understand the message today. I said today because the reason hypocrisy, we're literally swimming in it now, (laughs) is because absolute truth has departed from our culture. And whenever the absolute truth of God has no longer exists, hypocrisy takes its place. In fact, today, Jonathan at the 9 o'clock and I here at 10.30, we began a series of messages. We'll go on for several months 
uh, both at the 9 o'clock and the 10.30, entitled Enduring Wisdom. And it comes from the Gospel of Luke, beginning of chapter 12, we're going to go all the way to 17, possibly 18. And so I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Luke 12, 1, and those of you, if you don't have your Bible with you, grab one from the pew. It's page 1616, very easy to remember, page 1616. And the reason we are reading the Word of God together is so that allow it to sink into our mind and to our hearts. The specialists say that when you say it, when you speak it, it means a lot more than just hearing it. And so I want you to stand up in honor of the Word of God as we read the Word of God together. And as always we do here, I will read the first verse, and then you will take it from there. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak Holy Spirit of Jesus, you have authored the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You, the author, you oversaw the writings of over 40 writers, and you want to communicate with us, and you also, Holy Spirit, who takes our prayers and bring them to the presence of the triune God in heaven and bring us the answers. May you answer us from heaven that every heart that is in this place that's listening, every ear that is listening, every person who is watching, that you will give them a fertile ground for the Word of God to seep in 
and produce fruit in due season, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you could see from these verses there is a dire warning. Listen carefully. A dire warning. And that dire warning is to the disciples. Not to everybody out there from the masses around them, but just to the disciples. He said to them, Be forewarned of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. I remember my mother used to bake bread back in the days of Noah when I was a boy. And here's a little bit of dough, and she would open it up and put a tiny little bit of yeast. And the next morning, it's a huge dough from which she made bread. Tiny little yeast can impact, change, and can change actually eternal destination. Hypocrisy comes from, is an English word, but it comes from the Greek word hypocritus. Hypocritus was used mostly to describe actors. They did not call them actors, they called them hypocritus. Why? Because actors play the role. That is not who they are. They play the character. And to this day, it's the same thing. An actor is not expressing who he is or who she is, but the role of the character they're playing. They're not who they are. Later on, the word came, turned into uh, be used exclusively in the negative. It wasn't that way, but it expresses the nature of deception or the nature of the deceivers themselves. Just like an actor attempts to play a convincing role on the stage, pretending to be somebody who they're not, so is the hypocrite. Today, people in the media whose lives are in total moral shambles stand in judgment and present themselves as righteous. Politicians pretend to be somebody else until they get elected. Many a preacher professing in professing churches uses words that are designed to deceive, that are designed to mislead. I'll never forget many years ago, many years ago, I was helping in a church strictly as a volunteer. Uh, knowing this new senior pastor did not believe in the physical and literal bodily resurrection of Jesus, and yet on Easter Sunday, he kept talking about the risen Christ, the risen Christ, the risen Christ. So finally, between services, I challenged him. I said, how come you don't believe that he rose from the dead, but you keep talking about the risen Christ? He said, well, that's very simple. He said two reasons. One, his spirit rose, and secondly, that way I keep all the conservatives off my back. Talking about Bible-believing. I want to keep them off my back. What he thought in his mind, that since I'm doing a doctorate in a very liberal institution, in a very liberal university, that I have shared his views. And when I, when I told him that I'm on the opposite side of him, all he could say is, please keep that confidential. <laughs> you see, that is the nature of hypocrisy. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says that these hypocrites, these deceivers, uh, their conscience is being seared. If you see cattle being hot iron seared with the brand of the, of the farm that they belong to, that part of the skin becomes so dead you, they can't feel anything. That's what their conscience is seared. They cannot feel anything. Matthew 23, 15, Jesus calls them the sons of hell. They are not only pretenders, and they're pretending to be something who are they're not, but their intention is to deceive and to make their judgment. With all my heart, I believe their judgment is going to be so horrific, far more than just the average judgment on an average non-believing person. You see, they try to condemn others who disagree with them, so that the attention on the other people, not on them, on their misery. Uh, they themselves feel superior. They think of themselves as the elite, uh, and they are so condescending just by the nature of deception, nature of hypocrisy. In Matthew 5, 4, and f- uh, f- 7, 4, and 5, Jesus makes it very clear for hypocrites to presume to criticize the faults of others <laughs> is as absurd as somebody who has logs in their eyes and they have the temerity of trying to remove a little speck from somebody else's eye. Another thing about hypocrites is that they respond with malice. They respond with malice, especially to those who expose them. They respond with malice. I've seen it. I've experienced it. And that is why today you see Twitter, who is filled with immoral and vile posts, can remove somebody who has exposed them. Facebook does the same. Uh, They accuse the righteous, and they will remove focus on the family who dare to expose the truth, and yet they have all sorts of vile posting on their site, and on and on and on. I'm not going to get into this. You know exactly what's going on. They are elitists, and please listen to me. You cannot expose their hypocrisy without risking your own destruction by them. They will do everything possible. The Pharisees tried to trip Jesus on every side. Uh, They made so many incriminating statements in order to provoke him to anger. They even tried to get him arrested for violating on federal, federal law, federal, federal charges of not paying taxes. <laughs> Hypocrites, they lack discernment. They lack discernment. Down in the same chapter, if you go down, we'll get to it in due course, but in verses 50. For all the way to 57, Jesus condemns him for not being able to recognize the obvious sign that he is the Messiah of God that has been promised throughout the Old Testament. Paul encountered those same hypocrites, these whom we call false brothers, especially when they were spying on his liberty in Christ. So bad were these hypocrites that in Luke chapter 11, the chapter before this one, 
because it's a continuation, but had to start somewhere. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus pronounces six curses on them. Six curses. So much for milk toast Jesus, meek and mild Jesus, helpless and weak Jesus. He pronounces six curses on them. And so it comes in chapter 11, and it opens up with the majority of these people being persuaded by the hypocrites, and they're turning on, on Jesus. Nothing is new under the sun. Nothing. Nothing is new. But in the middle of this mob scene where there is an intense and heated debate between the hypocrites and Jesus, with these religious hypocrites and Jesus, this heated debate is, taking, is going on. Jesus turns from all of that, and He turns to the disciples. Beloved, it's always the disciples that concern Jesus, always the faithful that concern Jesus. There's so many people trying to impose our biblical views on a pagan world, and it doesn't work. It is very important that we be the light of the world, that we be the salt, and that is why we need to focus on the disciples of Jesus just like Jesus did. And He turns from the masses, and He looks at His disciples, and He gives them a warning. He said, be aware. You take heed. You pay attention. You be on the lookout. You be on your guard against, against the corruption of the influence of these religious hypocrites. He says, you be forewarned against the smooth-talking apostates who are great communicators, who are great speakers, but they're going to mislead you all the way into hell. They may be popular and may do this for popularity, and maybe even for profit sometimes. And that because it pays to turn your back on the gospel. First Corinthians 15:33, Paul said, "Bad company corrupts good morals. Young people, if you're watching me, young people here, be very careful, take this to heart. Bad company corrupts good morals. Don't think, well, they can't harm me. I will just be on the fringes. I'll just tell it, I'll go with this part, and, but I won't go with them on this part. Bad company corrupts good morals. Take heed. Look with me, please, at the text. I always get back to the text. I'm going to wander around a little bit, but I always get back to the text. Verses 2 to 12, there are three non-negotiables. Three what? Now, can I get that? Non-negotiables. These are going to keep you from eternal disaster uh, of being a hypocrite. These are going to keep you from being influenced by hypocrites. <laughs> Here they are. Honor the Father, honor the Son, honor the Holy Spirit. Can you see them there with me? Look at them. Because, beloved, I want to tell you, it is only when our focus is on the triune God 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God. It's only when we focus on the triune God that we avoid the traps uh, of being impacted by false teachers. Now, why is this so important? Listen carefully. Because it is so easy to be influenced by the hypocrites. And you say, but why? Why is it easy? Why is it easy? I'm going to tell you why, because I've been there and I know what I'm talking about. Because these hypocrites presented arguments that appeals to the flesh. It appeals to our fallen nature. Uh, they present their views to help us avoid conflict with the world. They present their views in such a way that to avoid being harassed by the evil world. Just do this. Just say this. Just believe this. Just use this lingo, and you will be popular. Hello. Jesus said, don't listen to them. <laughs> don't listen to them. Don't let their noxious, poisonous weed seep into your psyche. Don't let this bad yeast be baked into your thinking and into your life. Instead, focus on the triune God. Focus on honoring and worshiping and adoring and obeying the Word of God. Instead, quote, if quoting them, I get sick and tired of people quoting the Reverend Smell Fungus. Don't quote them. Don't tell me who says what. Quote the Scripture. Quote what the Word of God said. Because these three, one God, they are interlocking chain of testimony to each other. The Father testifies to the Son, and the Son reveals the Father, and the Father loves and glorifies the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the spokesman of the triune God, and He is to glorify the Father and the Son. Please hear me right. No one, no one, no one will ever get away with hypocrisy. Sooner or later, most hypocrites will succeed in pretending for a time. For a time. They'll get away with it for a time. So make no mistake about it. The day will come when their hypocrisy is going to be revealed. As a little boy, fearful of punishment of my father, and it's like Billy Graham said, you know, I got to get whacked on the bottom so many times. And they always used to say, you know, punishing children warp their personality. I agree with Billy. It never warped my personality. It warped a certain part of my anatomy. <laughs> but not my personality. But out of fear, I would lie. And my father would say to me, when he knows I'm lying, he would say, Remember, lying has legs and runs faster than you do and will catch up with you. Always remember that. <laughs> Always remember that. <laughs> lying has legs. Listen to me. Some will be exposed in this life 
And I thank God I lived long enough to see that. <laughs> but all will be exposed in the future when the Son of Man comes with glory with His angels. All will be revealed. Verse 3, what is said in the dark shall be heard in the daylight, and what is whispered in the inner rooms will be exposed on the rooftop. Now, I need to explain to you a Middle Eastern practice that will… it has to… in order to understand what he's saying here. It's very important. You see, back then, the storeroom where the valuable, where the things are really precious to them, was not in the garage because the thieves can get to it very easily. <laughs> it was not in the, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the room up front. No, no, no. They built a room inside the house, in the middle of the house, that would take a thief, I mean, has to go through many rooms to get to it. It's right there in the middle of the house. And that's where they stored all of their valuables. Ah, but they also went into that room when they would talk secrets we do, do not, when they do not want anybody to hear what they're talking about. They go inside these rooms, and they will talk, and they'll share their secrets. <laughs> these were the hiding places. Some of you remember, I think I've seen it once or twice through the years. I, I really don't see movies all that much, but in the mob movies, you know, the, the, the mafia, when you go to a restaurant… There's a room somewhere in the back of the room. Nobody knows about it. It's a secret room where mafia skullduggery takes place. But it, only you have to have a, a password to get into it to know even there's a room exists. That's how it was. There was a room that exists. Very few people know it, and very few people know how to get to it. They were hiding. And Jesus said, honor the Father because you cannot hide things permanently. But why? Because God the Father one day will judge and punish the hypocrite. Beloved, let me tell you, through the years, through the years, some of you know this, some of you know this, my blunt preaching, you surprised? Maybe if you're visiting you're shocked. You're still shocked by my blunt preaching. But those who've been here around for a while, they're not. They got used to it now. But my blunt preaching through the years and my refusal to compromise the, the Word of God, to compromise biblical morality, compromise all issues in life that I know, even though I am a fallen man, I have clay feet, even though I am I'm full of foibles, but nonetheless, when it comes to the Word of God and the truth of the Word of God, I refuse to compromise. And because of that, I offended some people through the years. Does this make me happy? No. No, it doesn't. I'm flesh and blood. But I tell you what my family know, and so many of my friends know, that I care more about the day when I'm going to have that audience of one than make people like me in this lifetime. Verse 4, that is why Jesus said, 
do not be afraid of the worst that humans can do to you. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of that. What's the worst they can do? Kill you? (laughs) We're going to die. That's the worst they can do. But fear him, honor him, adore him, worship him, obey him who has the authority to condemn you eternally. Who is that? I heard people, actually heard preachers say, Satan. <laughs> I thought first was a joke, but they really, <laughs> the guy was really serious about it. Satan has no authority to condemn you to hell. Listen to me. He will be hell's most notorious guest, inmate. There is no command in the Scripture anywhere that says fear Satan. Believers are totally delivered from his crutches because he who's in us is greater than he who's in the world. Say that with me. He who's in us is greater than he who's in the world. No, 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 no. He is saying, fear God the Father, honor God the Father, adore God the Father, love God the Father, worship God the Father, honor God the Father. Why? Because nothing, 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 nothing escapes His knowledge. God's omniscient knowledge is for even the most insignificant details. Sparrows, they're so small, and they were not even the food of the poor. They were the food of the very poor, because five are sold for equivalent of two cents today. So think of the sparrow that's worth less than half a cent back then and now. So insignificant by any standards, but they are not insignificant to God the Father. He knows every single hair in your head, and if you don't have hair, He knows all the forks in your head too. All hundred thousand of them. Beloved, let me tell you something. This truth comforts all believers, but it calls trimmer to the hypocrites. And that is why they try to conceal the truth. They try, they try to destroy the truth. They try to distort the truth. Oh, they try to twist the truth. They try. They try to scream loud the thinking that they can stop you from hearing and believing the truth. But they'll fail. Sooner or later, they'll fail. And so the first cure for hypocrisy is honor God the Father. The second cure for hypocrisy is honor God the Son. Look with me, verses 8 and 9. And I say it to you, anyone, I'm going to explain that to me, anyone, that means anyone, who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him also before the angels. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. See, the word term anyone, everyone, it means everyone in the world. Whatever you are in the world, everyone in the world, all seven billion people, 
not just the people who live in America or people who live in Europe or people who live in Australia or in the West. It's for everyone, anyone. It is all-inclusive. Question, what does confessing Jesus mean? Well, the Greek word here is homologio. You know what the word logos means, word, logos, homo, one. One oh, means to be in total agreement with, total agreement. Or, or, or the same thing, believing exactly the same thing that Jesus said about himself. Why do you think they are so desperately trying to change who Jesus is? I mean, they play mental gymnastics with their minds. Well, did Jesus really say that He is the only way or He is a way? Uh, do, they really, do we really have the exact words that Jesus spoke or they change those words along the way? Do we really know? The, and then they just twist and twist and twist until they look like pretzels from being twisted so much because they do not want to confess what Jesus says about Himself. They do not want to accept what the Bible said about who Jesus is. They do not want to obey and agree totally with what Jesus says about Himself. Why? Because that will force Him to obey by believing the Word of God. Back in 1989, I'll never forget, I was speaking to a group of clergy, and, and, and literally very I, I, I did not know, but I knew most of them did not believe that there's only one way to heaven, one way to salvation is Jesus. And they said, well, you know, God is so big. He's got so many ways. He can't really narrow God so much. You know, you, God is too small and it, all that junk. And I, I had the temerity to say to them, now, guys, why do you call yourselves Christians? Why don't you go and start a new religion? New religions are springing up all the time. Just, just go and start a new religion. You don't have to call yourselves Christians. Uh, wh 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 why? Why go with the trappings of Christianity and all the rituals in your churches? I know why, but I asked it anyway. They want to deceive as many people as they can. They won't be able to do that. If they leave these churches, they want to deceive as many people as they can. You know what the worst part about all this? Right as I was leaving, walking out, one of them ran after me. He said, Michael, I privately agree with everything you said, but I can't go public with it. <laughs> I reminded him of this passage. He would deny me before men, publicly, publicly. Those who deny me, not agree with me in public, before men and women, before people. Beloved, listen to me. 
Confessing Christ in public determines our eternal destiny. Confessing Christ openly and unabashedly, unhesitantly will set the stage for where we spend eternity. But why before the angels? Ah, because the angels are going to be witnesses. Yeah, in the court of law you get witnesses. The angels are going to be witnesses. They're objective. They don't have anything against us or against anybody. They will tell the truth. They'll be our witnesses, either for us or against us. I pray to God not a single soul watching me or right here have never committed their life to Jesus Christ and have accepted Him as the only Savior and Lord would do that today. The worst thing in the world when you have the angel testify against you. Second Thessalonians 1 7, Paul said, They will be with Jesus on that flaming fire. Those who fail to confess Jesus as only Lord and Savior, and only Lord and Savior for all people of the world, not just those in the church. They will hear from Jesus these most devastating words. I never knew you, but we wore clerical garb. I never knew you, but we preached in church pulpits. I never knew you, but we agreed with some things in the Bible. I never knew you, but we helped a lot of people. I never knew you, but we carried Bibles as we processed down the church aisles. I never knew you. Beloved, be very careful of the leaven of the hypocrites. What breaks my heart in two is that I have known people who sat in these pews, who believed, but then were misled by compromising apostate preachers, and you listen to them now as if nothing has sunk in in all these years, that I tell you before God breaks my heart. There are many ways to God. The God of the Old Testament is not the same God as in the New Testament. The Old Testament is so irrelevant now because we live in a different time. And on and on and on. And you see these views seeping in just like the leaven inside the dough, working its way, working its way.
say, why, why, why do they do this? I'll tell you why. Because it's popular. It's popular. It'll make you popular. It'll make you avoid lots of alienations. It's like that dear man who says privately, I agree with everything you said, but I can't go public with it. Heaven belongs to those who honor the Father, honor the Son, and honor the Holy Spirit. Look at verses 10, 11, and 12. Because the question immediately says, why the Holy Spirit? Why the Holy Spirit? I want you to listen carefully, please. I beg you, listen carefully. This is very important. The Bible said, no one can come to the Father unless they come through the Son. Can I get an amen? And no one can come to the Son without being brought by the Holy Spirit. The Bible said very clearly, every one of us, every one of us, every one of us, born spiritually dead. I mean dead, 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 dead. Not in a coma. Dead. Physically alive, spiritually dead. Only God the Holy Spirit comes in and He raises the dead on the inside of us. Our dead spirit rises when the Holy Spirit says, awake and rise. And we rise up and realize that we're sinners and we're heading for hell and we need the Savior and then turn to Jesus. All that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. In the first chapter of, uh, in the fourth chapter of 1 John, John, 1 John, 1st epistle of John, chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, makes it very clear, listen to me. Everyone who claims, that's an important word if you have your Bible, underline it. Everyone who claims to have a message from God either speaks the truth about Christ, which is from the Spirit of God, or a lie, which is the Spirit of the Antichrist. Do I need to say any more? Two options. He doesn't give us a third. He doesn't give us two and a half. There's two and two quarters. Two options. Why do you think I'm literally been for 50 years since I was ordained? I, I, literally, my knees knock every time. You can't see them, thank God. My knees knock every time I stand behind that pulpit. So I only want to speak what God speaks. Not even my opinion. And when I do, I tell you and give you a warning ahead of time. <laughs> Two options. No one is able to confess Jesus as Lord except by the work of the Holy Spirit. 
Listen carefully. I'm getting close to the end, so don't, 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 don't let me lose you. 2 Peter 2.21. 2 Peter 2.21 says the Holy Spirit is the author of the whole Bible. The whole Bible. Anyone who denies any part of the Bible does not honor the Holy Spirit. Let me repeat that. Anyone who does not honor any part of the Bible does not honor the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Verse 10. Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven to him. Some of you I know had questions about that, and I got this one time, several times. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So why? Why is that? Why when you can blaspheme Jesus, but you get forgiven, but you blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Ah, listen carefully. Listen carefully. To blaspheme the Holy Spirit is to reject the testimony of the Holy Spirit concerning Jesus. He testified to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals that salvation is found in no one else other than Jesus. And so Jesus concludes this section, part one in the series we call Enduring Wisdom, with a promise. Don't miss the promise. Don't miss the promise. Monty referred to it when he was praying. A promise for those who honor the Holy Spirit by believing the Spirit's testimony regarding the Son of God. Now also honor the Holy Spirit. He said, if you honor the Holy Spirit, you do not have to worry, not one second, not one in a second, you have to worry about anything. Because He will turn our trials into triumphs. He will turn our pain into gain. He will turn our troubles into blessings. He will turn and His power, His protective power will keep us, all the believers, secure in His mighty hand until the day we go and be with Jesus. And that is why, beloved, listen to me, that's why they can call us all the names they want. They can falsely accuse us all they want. They can harass us all they want. They can even drag us into the courts and the prison. But they can never, 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 never rob us of the treasure which we have is Jesus. For faithful believers who love the Father, love the Son, and love the Holy Spirit, they have the greatest and the most expensive lawyer that money could never buy. Because He'll defend us. He'll defend us. He'll protect us. He will advocate on our behalf. And He vindicates us. And if He vindicates us, I pity those who accuse us. Can I get an amen? Amen. Will you stand with me, please, as we pray? Father,
in this place, we honor the Father, we honor the Son, and we honor the Holy Spirit. And Father, we implore you that you will protect your children, your faithful believers. Put a seal around them, and they're coming and they're going, knowing, resting assured that He, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, will testify on our behalf. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.